Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. This is Shannon, and tonight I am here with Mika, Natalia, and Kristen, and we are talking about science fiction, a genre I don't read as much of as I would like to. So we are going to get started with the usual housekeeping information, then Mika will start us off, followed by me, Kristen, and lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. Okay, I guess it's my turn. Woo-hoo. It is. So- I also don't read a lot of science fiction. Um, I, you know, like um, when growing up, they would give like, you know, read the classics and I found the classics to be boring (laughs) and um, and very, and very technical in a way that I was not. And so I asked myself, so what would make you read like a science fiction novel? And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just name a couple of tropes and you, you can tell me yes or no. Right. Okay. So ragtag group of misfits. Yes. Yes. Found family. Yes. Yes. And adventure going to like going to different locales. So it's like basically a big road trip in space. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, that, my friends, is A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Oh, I and need to read this. This book is because science fiction and fantasy, like they're always trying to um, they're always trying to like come up with, you know, to try to hook the reader. So come up with like different genres, right? So there's like there's like grim dark, which is where everything is like so depressing and all the characters suck and, you know, <laughs> and they're all awful. Um, and then, and then there is what we are calling hope punk and Ooh. hope punk is kind of what this book falls. It's kind of the category that this book falls into and they consider it as kind of being like your low stakes, you know, they're not really trying to colonize anything, but it's just people trying to, you know, gain some character, you know, all about character development and things that have more of a hopeful element involved. So 
this book is about Rose. Um, Rose has a secret and she's very unhappy. And so she takes a job on this ship with a ragtag crew who kind of tolerate each other. And she is trying to figure them out while keeping her secret a secret and her secret. She's very ashamed of it. Um, And she is really very much in need of, um, of a family basically. So um, of a found family. And so this book is all about the found family that happens. And I like when, anytime I describe this book, I describe it as like a love letter to found family Um, because it's all about how everyone goes from like barely tolerating each other to just really kind of being allowed to exist in each other's spaces and really having those deep and meaningful friendships. And they go to different planets and all of these planets have different cultures and it is kind of low stakes it's low stakes, like adventure wise, I'd say, but it's not low stakes emotion wise. Uh-huh. It is a very emotional book and it is the first in a series. I have read the first two. I cannot tell you what the sequel is about um, because it is a big giant spoiler, but the sequel had me crying like a baby. And Ooh. this this book, it's just really wonderful and it's warm and it's like a hug and it's like comfort and it's like chicken soup for your brain and it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. So um, so again, this book is called A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. All right. So my first book tonight is not hopeful, at least not in the beginning portions. Hope comes later. Um, but first, you, you have to like feel the, I don't know, the, the bleak. Feel the pain. There we go. <laughs> feel the pain. Feel the burn. <laughs> this is An Unkindness of Ghosts by Rivers Solomon. And River Solomon has written a couple of like full length novels as well as a novella. And they walk this line in some of their books that is kind of like the, I don't know, like the boundary between sci-fi and fantasy. But I would say this one falls firmly on the sci-fi side of the spectrum. So this is the story of Aster. She is a healer of sorts. And she lives on this giant ship called the Matilda. And for a long time, like I don't even know how long, the Matilda has been ferrying all these people to this sort of promised land, but nobody knows like where it is or how to get there. And I'm starting to think that like the Matilda doesn't even know where it's going because it's just been like hanging out in space for years and always talking about the fact that, you know, they're almost there. Like one day they will arrive at their destination, but they never do. So this deck, this ship is divided up into multiple decks named after the letters of the alphabet. And the further down in the alphabet you go, the higher your sort of prestige is. So if you live on the lower decks, you are like a sharecropper. Um, And if you are heading up toward the higher decks, that's where like surgeons are and people that 
that the ship deems more valuable for whatever reason that it decides that. So Aster lives on the lower decks and she practices as the assistant to the ship's surgeon. Now she is intersex, which I think is something that we don't see nearly enough of in fiction. And I really enjoyed getting to know Aster in that way here and having that kind of, of representation that we don't usually see. She's also somewhere on the autism spectrum as we know it, but it's not referred to as such um, in, in the world that Astrid is living in. So Astrid is trying hard to stay under the radar. Um, a lot of the guards don't like her. She doesn't submit to them in the ways that they think she should. Um, she's very, very literal, very blunt, and they don't have a lot of patience for her. Now, the ship's leader is known as the Sovereign. And when he dies, Aster discovers a link between his death and what everyone considered to be the suicide of her mother some 25 years before our story begins. And so now she is digging deep into not only his life, but the life of her mother, trying to figure out what really happened to both of them. And did whatever happened to him start, you know, all the way back 25 years ago when her mom died? If so, is there a way that she can use this to her advantage and get everyone off the ship, improve their lives, and hopefully, you know, find them like a better place to be that is not just kind of circling through space um, for eternity. This is a dark book in some ways. Um, Solomon does not pull punches when they talk about the ways in which, you know, people are treated because of race and class. Um, Aster is a complex heroine, but one that you you root for from like the very beginning all the way until the last page. If you've never picked this up, I highly recommend it. It is An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon. This sounds both like bleak and beautiful. It's it so good. It but also like hopefully sure. hopeful. <laughs> yes, it definitely like has kind of the hopeful thing going as the book goes on in the beginning I would say you know you'll start it and you're kind of like oh my goodness you know these people lead such a bleak lives but then you get to see how how they kind of keep it together and then you see glimmers of hope as you know as the book goes on but definitely it's not I wouldn't say it's like a warm fuzzy comforting read so my first book tonight is Orion Colony, Orion Colony, book one by J.N. Cheney and Jonathan Yenes. Um, so this starts out taking place on Earth and there are, I mean, everybody's human, but there's these different levels of people. So like the higher, I'd say, let's pretty much say like government officials, um, the, the noblemen, the nobles, the royalty, all that. They are what 
are now called the Eternals because they have developed this immortality drug um, that only pretty much the elite get to have. Then you have what they call the transients, and these are all the normal lifespan people. And they're, they're more like the blue collar people of Earth. And so when the transients decide that they are tired of the Eternals kind of telling them how to live and taking things that they feel they should have to and, you know, just everything being kind of unequal, the transients and the Eternals finally come to this agreement where they will build 12 ships and each ship will carry 100,000 people to colonize a new planet. Um, the first ship is called Orion. And it's the ship that we are kind of seeing being built. We are seeing the, the blue collar people working in the plants that build these ship parts. Um, then you have these other people that are also transients, but they are kind of the resistance. They don't want to have to leave Earth in order to have what they feel they should have. They want to live on Earth and be able to do and be and have everything that they want. Um, and so they call themselves the disciples. And one day the disciples pretty much plant or have an attack on, um, on this factory. And so this, the Orion has to take off sooner than is planned. And two Eternals are going with these 100,000 transients. And the ship has an AI, but they call them a cognitive in this series, they call them cognitives. And this one guy who our main character, his name is Dean, he really doesn't want to go on the ship. He just wants to stay on Earth, uh, live his life, work his job, and be left alone. Um, however, by a twist of fate and some crazy events that go on, he ends up on the ship with the two people he can pretty much call friends though he tries not to um but the disciples aren't done with this recolonization thing they're trying to sabotage this trip and things don't go exactly as planned um so pretty much come hell or high water there's going to be issues they are not going to recolonize quite the way they thought they were and it's definitely going to be survival tactics that have to come into play here so this is orion colony orion colony book one by jn cheney and jonathan yenez so now that we're talking about ships is Anyone interested in reading about secrets and murder on ships? Yes. Because, of course, you know I Absolutely. would be interested. Secrets, murder, and a love out of time? 
You can find all these things in the series Across the Universe by Beth Revis. And wow, these books are amazing. They're about a 17-year-old Amy who has joined her parents in a frozen cargo of a ship that's called Godspeed and is expected to awaken 300 years in the future. Can you imagine that? I, I really, I can't. But never could Amy have known that her frozen slumber would come to an end 50 years too soon and that she would be thrust in the brave new world of a spaceship that lives by its own rules. And it turns out that Amy's awakening was not a computer malfunction of the ship. It turns out that one of the thousand inhabitants of the ship is responsible for waking her up on purpose. And apparently someone tried to kill her. And if Amy doesn't do something soon, her parents will be next. So now Amy needs to figure out what secrets have developed in Godspeed in the 250 years that she has been frozen. And of all her suspects, there's only one who matters, Elder, who is the future leader of the ship and also a love she could have never seen coming. Ooh. So these books are so so good i what did i finish them in like three days shannon do you remember when i read read these books i don't remember when you read them but i know it didn't take you long oh my gosh they're they are i mean first of all who who thinks of something so cool can you imagine being frozen for 300 years and just waking up and not knowing why you're awake and why you're still on the ship and in a case it's 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 really great and if you like of course sci-fi but if if you like intrigue and murder and if you ask yourself all these questions like okay so the ship is going to be you know moving through space for 300 years but people aren't going to live that long so how are they going to keep it moving and and yeah. how is it going to continue working and how are they going to run it and what are these people going to eat because you know i ask all these questions this is the book for you it answers them all so this is across the universe by Beth Revis. In the same vein of books that I have been begging the Beastresses to read that they haven't read yet. I just oh, yeah. got to listen to this woman already. I know. <laughs> She's but never so many of us do. wrong. She's like Cleo from Clifford. I don't know why I don't listen to her. When I'm in a book club, I'm going to talk to Clifford. Um, I would like to talk about the Murderbot series by Martha Wells. <gasps> oh, oh, yes! <laughs> the Murderbot series is all about, imagine being a robot and you are like, you are being controlled by corporations and they usually want you to murder people. But you don't oh. really feel like murdering people because frankly... <laughs> you don't really like, feel like it. <laughs> you don't feel like it. You, <laughs> What you want to do, all you want to do is watch your entertainment show called sanctuary moon and and you have 35,000 hours of entertainment at your fingertips and so what if you just hack your way out of government control 
so that they don't even know that they control you anymore. And you just want to be left alone so that you can watch your stories (laughs) and (laughs) not and not be bothered. And not have to kill people. And not have to kill people. But also you just want to be left alone. Like you may not, you may or may not be opposed to killing people. Like you're a robot. So you really don't have like a whole lot of like you know, like moral standing moral? about this. <laughs> this you know, you're sounds just... like a little old lady that just wants to be left alone to watch yes. her soap operas. <laughs> yes, pretty, pretty much. Yes, like mm-hmm. let me watch my stories. You know, <laughs> yeah. And and that's all that Murderbot wants. It just wants to be left alone. His but novelas. Then, he wants to watch his novelas. But then, <laughs> but then, some humans like crash land and some stuff happens and now he has to save them or now it has to save them and it doesn't really it's not opposed to saving them but dang it it could be watching sanctuary moon which i'm sure (laughs) has no ties to sailor moon whatsoever so (laughs) so and and that's all it wants to do it just wants to be left alone and so the tagline of this series basically is that murder dot murderbot doesn't have friends friends are what happens to murderbot and as the novels as like the novellas progress um you know murderbot starts feeling some like feelings of loyalty in a way that they never felt before for the government because the government just wanted to exploit them and now there's people who like care about its well-being and what does it do with that and so you're basically watching Murderbot like have to grapple with how like what am I supposed to do with all these freaking friends that I never asked for in the first place sounds like Eve Dallas (laughs) and now yeah pretty much and now I have to and now I have to make sure that they're going to be okay and I just want to be, I just want to watch my 35,000 hours of entertainment. And it's constantly it's a being a lot of hours. It is a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours. So um, the book begins with all systems read. And it is, it is a delightful series. Um, it does now have two full length novels. So you have no excuse, Natalia. And <laughs> I, I feel uh, she's coming for me. She is. I am. All the way from New York. Coming for all of us. Except Kristen, and who at least tried except to Except Kristen, who at least tried and who's still on my good list. So. And it's a lot of fun. It's good. It can be a little confusing. And I think that it kind of starts in a confusing way because yeah. you really are seeing everything from Murderbot's point of view mm-hmm. and you don't really understand all that it has been through or, or all that it has gone through. Um, so, so if you are able to stick with it, I would say try to stick with it a little bit and see how, and see how it comes out. But they are really, really good. If you are an introvert and you just want to be left alone so that you can watch your damn Netflix, like I just I get that. this is the book for you. I, <laughs> so, but um, that's what a, got me. That's what got me was the beginning of all systems read. Like I was really confused. And yes. it's yeah. So I it, think that's why I didn't stick with it. But I'll try again. Oh, thank you. So it is kind of a confusing beginning because you are seeing everything. You don't really understand what's going on. You just kind of get <clears throat> thrown in. Um, but the beginning of the first novella is called All Systems Red 
It is by Martha Wells, and it is absolutely delightful. I will try it. Thank you. You're welcome. So my next book is one that I just discovered last week, surprisingly. Um, It's been out for a very long time, and I don't know why I hadn't read it before now. This is Unwind. Really? Yeah. You hadn't read Unwind? No, just right now. Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) This is by Neil Schusterman. And he wrote Scythe, um, which was my introduction to his work. And then I kind of just kept him on the back burner. As in, I'm sorry to interrupt you. As in the movie Signs? No, Scythe. Oh, Sai. Oh, okay. I was going to be like, Signs was a terrible movie. But go on. I don't know about that. (laughs) It was awful. (laughs) I don't know about that. I'm so shocked right now. This is set in kind of a a future dystopian America where the Second Civil War was fought about reproductive rights. Now, what I'm about to tell you is very disturbing on a number of levels. So just like hang in with me for a minute. At the end of the Second Civil War, something was signed called the Bill of Life. And the Bill of Life says that you cannot abort a child. You cannot kill a child. Life is sacred from inception, or I'm sorry, from conception to age 13. When a child turns 13, you can, quote, unwind, unquote, them, which basically means that every piece of their body is used in someone else. So they say that you're still alive, but in a divided state. So you go to these facilities and they basically like harvest your organs and your body parts and give them to other people. So I'm not sure like how this is better than abortion like that is fucked up i'm sorry that is, <laughs> just don't know fucked up. <laughs> but this is like I, what you can do all right and if and if you have and a it baby, gets worse it gets worse keep going and if you have a baby and you don't want it right because like you would have aborted it but you can't now you can do what they call storking which means that you just take the baby and you put it on someone's doorstep And as long as no one catches you, it's fine. And then the person whose house you leave the baby at has to raise it, like regardless of whether they want to or not. So I'm not sure how this, like how this works as as a society. (laughs) Um, Like I I have questions, but for the the sake. No, not yet. So for the, the sake of this, though, I, I have to put my questions aside because once I started reading this, I was pretty sucked in and I found that the questions, while they still kind of plagued me, um, I was able to put them aside. So we follow three characters here. We have Connor, who has just discovered that he's about to be unwound. He has gotten into a lot of trouble. His parents don't know how to deal with him. They're, they're just done. So he's going to be unwound. 
We also have Risa, who is the ward of, she's a ward of the state. She's been living in a children's home. And they have decided that she doesn't live up to their expectations. And so she will also be unwound. And then there's Lev, who is raised as a tithe, which means that he was born specifically to be unwound. Um, his parents have 10 children. And according to Christian tithing, you are supposed to give 10% of everything you have to the church. So they're going to give one of their children to the church as like their tithe until this child will be unwound. And that is Lev. Now, Lev has always thought that he's like pretty much at peace with being unwound. Like he's raised this way. He knows this is his destiny. But when he meets Connor and Risa, who are not quite so willing to be unwound, he starts to view things a little differently. And through a series of events that I am not going to tell you about because they would be kind of spoilery and spoilers are bad. Um, they start to look for ways to bring down this system and to change this bill of life and not make unwinding seem like such a stellar solution to, you know, whatever problems people may or may not have with their children. This is a novel of revolution. It's a novel of people standing up for what they believe in, even at great risk to themselves. Um, the first book definitely ends on a cliffhanger. I had to move immediately on to the second, which is not a thing that I usually do. Um, interestingly, the first book in this series came out in 2007, and it wasn't until 2014 that Schusterman decided to continue it. So wow. there is kind of a, a big jump here and you do kind of feel that when you start the second book, but this is just an epic series. Um, there are four books in total. Oh, epic. I read the first two. Um, so this is Unwind, Unwind book one by Neil Shusterman. Wow. I, I think I'm going to have to pick that one up. That just sounds so crazy. It is, I, you know what's so just crazy enough it. to read it. You know what's so disturbing about that series? That it, it could be true. I mean, just the way that he uh, presents, you know, the bill of life. How yes. people, even the tithe part. I know I'm Christian. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't make fun of this, but it's fine. I will. The, the tithing 10% to the church. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's funny, children, but it's, it's fine. Well, it's funny, but it's not. It's so, the way he does it is so humanly realistic that you can see it happening in real life. And as messed up as it is, I think that's what makes it so messed up and so good. Okay. Now that we're all unwound. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so my next book tonight is Skyward by Brandon Sanderson. Um, this is the Skyward series, and this is book one. And I fell in love with this series. Yes, um, you did. Oh, gosh, I could not stop. And the final book isn't out yet. And I just, ugh, 
I want it now. Um, <laughs> but this series is so good. So this um, series follows our main character. Her name is Spinza. Um, and most people call her Spin or, um, yeah, Spin. But she has, humans have been stranded on this planet for a really long time. Um, and they have randomly been attacked for years and years and years by these alien starships. Spencer's dad is a pilot. Um, he's a starship pilot for their planet. And whenever the aliens come a call in, he <laughs> is called up to fight them. Um, and so from a very, very young age, Spencer has wanted to be a pilot like her dad and be a hero for her planet like her dad. Um, but along this journey, um, she, she is facing some kind of overwhelming odds against her. Um, there's a lot of stories and hearsay about what happened to her father. A lot of people say he was a traitor. She thinks he died a hero. Her family thinks he died a hero. Um, but the people at the pilot school say differently and Spencer doesn't really know the truth, but her goal is to make it as a pilot, find out what really happened to her father. And in the midst of going through flight school, um, she comes across this really advanced ship that seems to be extremely old. It has a lot of rusted parts and all of that, but it has a very, very interesting AI. And love AIs. They're so cool. <laughs> oh, yes, they are. Especially this one. It, it, it's amazing. She begins to call him Imbot. Imbot like Murderbot. Is, only just yeah. <laughs> um, Imbot is pretty freaking amazing, and she decides to keep the ship a secret. And one of her best friends, um, has become a mechanic, and so she kind of recruits him on the sly to help her rebuild the ship and fix it up. And she thinks that if she can just rebuild this ship and get the AI to see her as his new pilot. Um, because his old pilot is no longer around, but Mbot was given specific instructions to not leave this spot. Oh. And he is very adamant about not leaving this spot because that's what his pilot told him. Um, it's in his systems. He cannot do that. So she has to figure out how to reprogram him and all this other stuff. And she thinks if she can just get this ship up and running, that she can become a pilot. She can prove that she deserves to be a pilot because everybody's against her, um, especially the, the head honcho of flight school. They have refused her um, room and board at the school. So she's the reason she found this ship was because she has um, taken up living in a cave on the surface 
in order to be able to get back and forth to flight school on time every day instead of having to go all the way back down below where the rest of the, the people live um, that don't defend the planet. And so, um, so many different events happen. Um, Spencer learns a lot about herself, about her father. She makes some really amazing new friends. Her group, um, her class in flight school is made up of a bunch of really diverse people. Um, they don't all start out liking each other. There's quite a few of them. You'd like to line them up and knock their heads together with bricks in the beginning, but it gets better. Um, so I just absolutely cannot gush enough about this series. The funniest thing I find about Mbot is that he has a very crazy obsession about mushrooms. He has to find mushrooms. That's a Ooh. part of his system. He was him and his pilot were trying to find mushrooms and it becomes apparent why he needs mushrooms later on, but I am not going to spoil that because it is very interesting how this this ship um, is powered and how it can make the types of um, hyperspace jumps that it makes. It's, it's quite interesting. Ooh. But Mbot also seems to be a little more sentient than an AI should be. And that gets really entertaining as well. Um, <laughs> he's trying his best to be as human as possible. And it gets really, really funny. Um, so if you need a really good sci-fi that is going to kind of be a coming of age type of thing, these, these people are, um, I believe they're at least 17 and, and up, but, and while it is YA, I did not read it as a YA these these teenagers are very level-headed for the most part they're not childish it's not a bunch of whining and complaining and all of this um so while it is a YA sci-fi in my opinion it isn't written in your typical YA style so don't don't let that throw you off because these kids are fairly young um, but in order to become pilots and have any time in the sky, they have to start training these people pretty young because a lot of pilots don't make it through flight school. Um, it's hard to be a pilot. Yeah, it, it really is on this planet. It's, it's hard to be a pilot. Um, so this is Skyward, Skyward number one by Brandon Sanderson, and you need to pick it up now. Because book four comes out next year. It's in Brandon Sanderson. Class. Brandon Sanderson is a prolific writer. I've not read any of his science fiction, but I did read the first two of the Mistborn series. Uh -huh, and, and who got me into those books? Oh, oh I was I looking at Mistborn. I the did other listen day. to you. So, how would you feel if? You could just live your life however you wanted, in whatever way you wanted, and didn't have to worry about anything, not even your own personal physical safety. Because somewhere in a replication tank, there was you asleep 
and swimming. And you could just be awakened if this part of you, basically, if you died or something bad happened to you, you could be awakened. But not only that, you're able to sync with this replica so that the replica has the memories that you have. So you wouldn't even lose your memories. Can you imagine? Freaky. I can't either. But that's what happens in this book. Replica. The Replica Trilogy Series, book one, by Jenna Black. And Jenna Black has been known for her Nikki Glass series. The Nikki Glass? Yeah. Which is about Greek mythology, and it's so good. But these are so different from that and equally as good. So these books start with Nadia... Lake, who comes from a high class uh, kind of executive family in the what what's known as the corporate states, and she's always had this arranged marriage with the most fat, the most powerful family heir, I guess, in her state, and he's kind of a playboy, and you know, his name is Ethan, and they're not, they grew up as really close friends, but they're not in love with each other. But they're okay. They're they're happy with the fact that one day they'll be married. And, you know, their life is quite privileged, except it's very, you know, scrutinized. There's no privacy. There's photographers everywhere. Uh, tabloid fodder, you know, typical life of the rich and famous. But as long as she can maintain her public image, uh, you know, as flawless, her future is assume- assured. Mind you, her betrothed is a notorious playboy. And for some reason, because she's a woman, I guess she has to be responsible for keeping him in check. Otherwise, she's the one who loses. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Nathan, his name is Nathan, not Ethan. I apologize. Nathan Hayes is the heir of Pasco Control. And it's basically the controller of the former state of New York. I, I don't know how I feel about states being controlled by families. But <laughs> they kind is, of are. I mean, I guess, but you know, it's not so obvious. No, that's <laughs> we can true. Pretend, we can pretend that like we actually have a vote. <laughs> Well, either way, um, you know, this is a a future United States idea. It's kind of like, you know, the corporate states. So basically everything is corporations and these corporations are controlled by families. And uh, Pasco controls uh, what used to be New York. And he also created or his family created the replication technology, which is science that every state and every country in the world would kill to have. So, but they don't have, but then something happens and Nate turns up dead and Uh even worse, as far as everyone knows, Nadia was the last person to see him alive. And an even bigger problem is that the replicated Nate wakes up in the replication tanks and he knows that he must have died. However, his memory only reaches to the last memory backup, which means that he doesn't actually remember how he died or what killed him. 
So, him and Nadia must team together to try to figure out who killed him without actually revealing the secret that they know that are worth killing for. So, this is Replica by Jenna Black. Another really creative concept of what technology, I guess, could do. <laughs> Might do someday. Might do someday. I don't know. Do you want to be? I don't know if I want to be replicated. I All right. So I feel like I, again, this is me screaming to the world that you have to read this, but I feel like this needs to come with a couple of like explanations, which is always a good sign, right? All so right. I like um, explanations. So I asked Shannon, I was like, Shannon, do you think this book will count as science fiction? And she was like, well, I don't know. Well, I'm just making the executive decision. <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going to say that it does. Whether it does or it doesn't, it's science fiction now. <laughs> um, so I've been reading, um, I've started reading books in the genre called lit RPG, which is basically, um, which is basically like, role-playing games and novels being squished together into one book and into a book. And it usually involves like someone who doesn't really know what's going on, getting sucked into a world. And then they have in for, if you do any kind of gaming at all, like you'll recognize some of the terminology that there are stats um, so they have statistics like strength and dexterity and agility and constitution and all of that good stuff. Um, intelligence. And intelligence. There are level, there are levels, um, which, which marks your progression of how you're doing. There are classes, which are basically like the, what your profession. So what you do, whether you're like a mage or, you know, maybe you're like a warlock or whatever. So, yes, an assassin. So, um, and so, and oftentimes people get sucked in and they have no idea of what's going on and they've been playing this game online and now they're sucked into the game and they can't get out of it. And now they have to survive in the game as a brand new character. And they have to take all of their knowledge that they learned outside of the game, inside of the game. (laughs) And that's not how all these novels play out, but um definitely definitely this one kind of does so the series that i'm going to talk to you about today is um dungeon crawler carl by matt deniman and this even if you are not a gamer you should listen up so um so imagine if you will that you are awake at 2.23 in the morning, minding your business. And your cat gets Uh out of the, or your ex-girlfriend's cat gets out of the window. And your ex-girlfriend is an ex because she went on a, she went on vacation and you saw on Instagram that she was sitting in the lap of her ex that you didn't know was going to be on the trip. Nice. And there's, and therefore, you being the kind of person that doesn't really like drama are just like, you know what? I'm breaking up with you. And I will also give your cat back to you, although I really don't want to. So now oh, it's like it's 2.23 in the morning. 
it's cold. Your cat has jumped out. The cat has jumped outside out of the two story window. You oh, no. run outside cursing the cat. And, you know, because you were like trying to sleep and you couldn't, you don't have any pants on. And, <gasps> and then, um, and you're in Seattle, like in December and, oh, um, and then all of a sudden, all of the buildings around you just kind of implode upon themselves and warp into a giant dungeon. Whoa. And so anyone who was inside of the building is dead. Ooh. That's just it. Anyone that was inside the building, they're gone. Um, and so this is what happens to Carl when he runs to try to get his cat donut out of the tree outside. <laughs> and there's a fluke that he was outside anyway. And he had to get donut. And a dungeon crawl, if you're not familiar with it, is basically like a kind of game where you are searching um, for you're on like you start from level one and you have to work your way down. And so the further down you get in the dungeon, the harder the enemies are. You can also get loot and treasure and all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's what, like how you gain levels and it gets a lot harder and there's traps and all kinds of things. So, um, and then there is an announcement from the Boren Corporation letting you know that aliens have decided, um, aliens are, harvesting earth basically and harvesting all the materials on earth and that there's going to be a whole bunch of dungeon entrances open oh. and if you choose to go in you can go in but you can't get out and if you choose to not go in then basically like you're on your own um so he chooses so carl chooses to go in he doesn't really know what's going on he only gets five minutes to make the decision and um, he goes in with the cat and thus begins his adventures. And it is like, it is like the show Survivor, but on steroids. Ooh. So you have to actually survive. Um, there are tons of ways that you can die. And Carl finds out that this dungeon that he's in and that all of Earth is in, like anyone who chooses to go in there, um, that it's being broadcast for the amusement of others. And so um, they're putting their lives at risk because they don't really understand the rules or what's going on or anything like that. They just know that there are monsters that they've never seen before who are trying to like attack, you know, they're trying to attack him. Um, and he is trying to just survive and figure out and figure out what to do and, and how to live um and how is he going to survive when he doesn't really know what all, who all the players are in this game and what happens when the dungeon crawlers who are the earth's citizens start turning on each other and so now Ooh. you have to worry about monsters and other people oh it's like pvp yes yes it's <laughs> player versus player and it is it is at, at first, I will say, I was like, at first, I thought everyone was kind of a jerk. Um, but then it just got better. And Donut, the cat, ends up being able to talk. Ooh. And um, she has been a show cat all of her life, and it shows. So she is ah. pre referred to as Princess Donut. And the book oh, is dear. very funny, full of pop culture references and absolutely delightful there's five books in the series thus far 
Um, and it is really, really wonderful and has a lot of heart. And I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you something that you normally don't hear me say. So when I say this, I want you to really listen and take this in. Okay. I read this book. Um, I read this book on Kindle, but then I got it on audible and I was like, I wonder what it's like on audible. I suggest reading it via audible. Okay. Because, because you're going to get like, um, there's, it's like a theater company that's kind of done. That's done this. Ah. Um, and like all you get so many different voices and there's like things like boss fights and things like that. And when they're announcing it, when they're announcing the boss fight is like, you know, Carl and donut versus the, oh. you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> and they do like just little effects that just make the whole thing like come to life. And it is absolutely delightful. It is absurd. It is fantastic. And I feel like if Ready Player One can be science fiction, so can this. So <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Um, so again, the book is called Dungeon Crawler Carl by Matt Deneman. And it is so, it's so good. Like I, I'm just, I was just completely and utterly entranced and delighted by this book. And it takes some of the best and worst of pop culture and fuses it together into something absolutely fabulous. Awesome. Are these like a million hours long? Um, This one, I think an audible is like 12 hours long. Okay. Cause some of them I've seen are like, you know, 43 hours and (laughs) so my final book is the lightest of my three and after you know the first two I talked about I think we we need a little a little lightness here I need a hug (laughs) (laughs) rough thing Shannon (laughs) (laughs) this is the kindred by Alicia Dow I talked about this when it first came out, well, when it was coming out as one of my most anticipated uh, releases of January, 2022. So this is a YA sci-fi where people are born into what they call kindred mind pairings. And the idea of this is that everyone will have a voice this way. And so they kind of take someone from like what they consider to be the lower classes and they pair them with people of a higher sort of more noble class. So Joy is our heroine and through kind of a trick of fate, maybe an accident, you never really know for sure, she is paired with Felix at birth and Felix is a Duke. He is part of the Royal family, but kind of like the Nathan guy that Natalia was talking about in Replica, he is just like a giant playboy. He doesn't take anything seriously. He's very, very privileged, very entitled. And so at first, when you meet him, you're like, oh my God, like this is is no good. Like this guy is just trash. But Joy, because she's like linked to him in his mind constantly, like she's able to kind of see what other people don't see. And so she knows like all about his insecurities and all the things that he wishes that he could accomplish that he doesn't really think he can. Then the royal family 
is assassinated. And somehow it is decided that Felix and Joy are responsible for this. So they are on the run in a stolen spacecraft. And what you need to know about them is that they have never met in person. They are linked mentally, but they've never actually been allowed to meet. So this is like their first time meeting in real life and they are on the run together, trying to like outrun these people who are ready to like lock them up forever. And also to figure out like what really happened to Felix's parents. So they decide that the best thing to do is to land this spacecraft on Earth. Now to them, Earth is like this really backward kind of ridiculous planet, like technology is lacking and humans are just incredibly frivolous. Although I'm not really sure how Felix dares to say that anyone is frivolous given like the things that he you know worries about on a daily basis that are rather like minuscule compared to things that you know actual people worry about. But he decides that humans are ridiculous. But he thinks that this is going to be like the best place for them to hide because certainly their enemies would not expect them to be hiding on Earth. So he and Joy land on Earth and they're trying to blend in to humanity. And this does not go super well for them. Um, I will say that you have to kind of suspend some disbelief here because there are certain times when they just like tell people that they're aliens and people are just like, oh, all right, sure. Like, you know, it's all, you just kind of like roll with it like the people in this book do. And Honestly, you'll be if fine. someone were to come up and tell me that they were an alien, that would literally be the least of my worries. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, great. All right. Awesome. Yeah, it would actually be a nice change of pace. <laughs> so they're these, you know, they're hanging out with this group of, of teenagers and they're trying to sort of, you know, pretend that they know all these things about like human culture that they don't really know. And they're also working on like figuring out how they feel about each other. Um, there have been some secrets that Joy has been keeping from Felix, not because she wants to, but because someone has told her that if she doesn't, um, they will kill her mother. And so she has to kind of unravel these things and figure out like who she really is, who Felix is to her and who he will continue to be. Like they'll always be, you know, paired as kindred, but can there be something, something more, something deeper between them? This is a YA sci-fi romance, and it is delightfully tropey. If you're looking for something that really gives you like some intrigue and some adventure, but you kind of have that sense that like things will all work out in the end, then this will be a really, really fun read for you. So this is The Kindred by Alicia Dow. This sounds really good, actually. It truly yeah, does. It was, <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun. My final book tonight was a Shannon recommended book. Oh. And it took me a bit to get into this one because I am a picky sci-fi reader. 
Fair. If it does, if it does not bring me in and hug me tight from the first chapter, I want nothing to do with it usually. But I needed a book for this episode, so I stuck it out, and I'm glad I did. So this is Polaris Rising, Consortium Rebellion, Book One, by Jesse Mahalik, and. I would say this is kind of like a sci-fi romance as well. Um, the romance in this book is, is, I guess you could say it's kind of a, a sideline thing. It's, it's not the forefront, but it's definitely there. Um, but Ada von Hassenberg is essentially a space princess. She is the fifth of... Um, six children and honestly like the only good she is to her family is going to be through a marriage to another high house um nobleman and she really wants nothing to do with this guy they were friends when they were growing up but then he changed and now she's just really repulsed by him and so yeah and so she says, uh-uh, not doing that. Bye-bye. <laughs> and she takes off. She leaves. And she has outrun her father's forces for two years now. And when we come into the book, she has she's being caught. And she is being brought onto this ship and is going to be taken back to Earth to her uh, to the von Hassenberg house. Don't try to say that too fast. You might hurt yourself. And she is thrown into a cell or room on the ship with this soldier um, that is, he's called the Devil of Fornax. And he has, it's rumored that he pretty much demolished his chain of command during the Battle of Fornax, and he has been on the run, um, and there's a major, major bounty on his head. And this ship that they are on is attacked by her betrothed's house, um, or by a battle cruiser from House Rockhurst, which is um, she was betrothed to Richard Rockhurst, and. She knows that if she is caught, she will become a political pawn between the two houses. And so she makes a deal with the devil. And she may have just lost more than she bargained for. Um, She learns a lot of things about what's going on in the political realm. She's kept in contact with... Um, with her, with one of her older siblings, her sister Bianca. So Bianca knows where she is, what she's doing, how she's doing, but nobody else in her family does. Um, though her siblings and her and her siblings have always been very close, even when the family has been at odds with each other, it's always been very warm and loving between her and all of her siblings. Um, but her parents leave something to be desired, of course. 
Um, so on this trip, she has, you know, she's made a deal with this soldier that she has been imprisoned with. They, she needs to escape. Um, but she's going to lose more than her freedom by bargaining with him. She just might lose her heart. This book turned out to be really, really good. I, I did not give it five stars, um, but it was a 4.5 for me. And that was mostly because it took me a bit to get into it. Um, it kind of throws you into the midst of things and it's a little confusing in the beginning. Things do get straightened out and that's what brought it back for me. Um, but overall, this really is a good book. And there are two more books in this series, and um, each one follows a different sibling. Book two is about Bianca, and book three is about their younger sister, and it looks really, really good, so I can't wait to get to those. But this is Polaris Rising, Consortium Rebellion, book one by Jesse Mahalik. Yeah, I've read the first one. I have not read the other two, but I want to. So my last book of the night is Ooh, I'm so excited for this. one of my very old time favorites. And yes. oh man, it's by an author that has so many series. And I got to tell you, like I haven't read a book by this author that I didn't like, but this is, this one just holds a very special place in my heart. And this is the Sarantha Jacks series, which Shannon loves <laughs> as much as me by Anne Aguirre. And, well, the first book is called Grim Space. I'm here, like, trying to think about what to say so I don't spoil it because I'm just so excited. I'm like, yeah, it's very careful <gasps> it's, how you describe it, is, it. It is that good. Well, oh, Saranta Jack has been, a, has been a jumper for the corporation for 14 years. And a jumper is basically somebody that can jump between shifts, ships um, in space. And apparently this is very valuable in, in this world, except now her career has gone down in a blaze because she's been accused by her employers of crashing a passenger ship that resulted in 82 deaths. And somehow when she wakes up, she's jailed and she has no recollection of this crash. And the doctors have done a good enough job of making her doubt herself and wonder if really she was responsible. And um, at one point when she's thinking about her circumstances and figuring out that maybe she should escape from being jailed, a man just breaks into her room and well, he's come to supposedly rescue her because they need a jumper. And since she has nothing to lose, she goes with him and his name is March. And she might have bitten off more than she could chew because March and his crew are not necessarily welcoming. And on top of that, um, there's they want her to help them with a plan, but they're not, especially March, is not very forthcoming about what this plan is. No and details, not, no help. No help, no details, no <laughs> nada. So not only is this driving Sarantha crazy, but on top of that, she's kind of mourning, you know, some of the people that were lost in this crash. Um, because, you know, one of them was somebody that she had a relationship with. And 
on top of that, there's a thing about jumpers and needing a pilot in order to be able to be a jumper. And, you know, she has to do this with March now. And um, it's just, I don't, I don't even know what else to say. I don't want to mess up oh. all these books. But gosh, they are just so good. So, so, so good. And, you know, if you want to read about, um, if you like reading about rebellion and overthrowing the order and yeah. um, secrecy and, oh, and if you like Emily Schaefer as a narrator, because I really do love Emily Schaefer, um, you need to read Grim Space, Saranta Jacks, book one by Anne Aguirre. And wow. I, I, you know, I left it for last because I just can't say enough good stuff about these books. I just, I don't want to say any more because I don't know, you know, for me, when I read series, they're like one big story. So yeah. I literally, when I share with you listeners, a series that I want you to read, I actually have to go back to basics, read the synopsis of book one. So I'm not like yep. telling you what happens in Kill Watch, okay? <laughs> which is like book four um, and all kinds of stuff. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say all right, so that concludes our sci-fi episode. Thank you to Natalia, Kristen, and Mika for participating tonight. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.